0: A Podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. Talking today about the royal family who are top of the mind at the moment. The, the US President Donald Trump has just been over there visiting, has met with the Queen, Prince Charles, Camilla. And obviously it's a very long-standing relationship between the US and the UK as well. But this royal family, Keith, really have stood the test of time.
1: It has. Um, and it's a very interesting article going around at the moment by John Pfeffer from the United States um, where he talks about the global Game of Thrones. And the British throne is one of 43 around the world still in existence. So that's um, 20% of the world's population still have some sort of monarchy, which includes Australia, of course, and and New Zealand and and Canada. So the argument is that um, with all the truing and fruing that we're seeing, particularly in democratic societies, somehow the royal family have, uh, with this declining faith in democracy, the institution of royalty is looking surprisingly resilient. And so his argument is that there is this global Game of Thrones uh, which enables somehow the royal families around the world to continue. If you think back to uh, the end of World War I, we saw the collapse of many of the royal families in Europe. So the the Russians were shot, um, the German uh, uh, emperor went into exile, died in exile and was never replaced, although there are certain members of the German aristocracy in exi- still in existence, but they don't get any special treatment. So the same, of course, for the Austrian-Hungarians. So... We see this dramatic decline in European royalty uh, 100 years ago, almost exactly to this day, and yet at the same time, we see something like the British royal family just continuing and with incredible resilience, they're able to reinvent themselves and to keep going. That, and you also see it in a number of other countries. So in this article by um, John Pfeffer, what he's looking at will be countries like Japan, Um, They've had a ruler who's just uh, abdicated after 30 years, just been replaced by his son. Uh, They've got a tradition of royalty that goes back thousands of years, one royal family. In Thailand, by the time of the king's death there, he was the world's longest-serving monarch, and he also um, was highly regarded. In fact, you're not allowed to criticise the monarchy if you're in Thailand,
0: God, this is why every Thai place you go into, a restaurant or otherwise, has always got a photo of the king absolutely, and absolutely. all the royal family and then yep. flowers and a
1: shrine to yeah. them. So for me, it's fascinating that with all of this change that's going on in the political sphere, royals seem to provide this sense of stability. And I've got to say, as someone who teaches young Americans, uh, the Americans are absolutely obsessed with the British royal family, including young Americans. I, I deal with 20-year-olds and they love reading about the British royal family. So for me, it's fascinating how somehow the um, veneer of royalty, this uh, standing of royalty, manages to continue. And I think that in a lot of societies where you have the turmoil of democracy, you know, in Britain at the moment, we've got all this Brexit chaos, which is a product of the political class. Um, similarly, of course, you've got other problems in other countries, uh, not least in Australia, where we tend to get rid of our prime ministers about every two years or so. And yet the royalty can often provide that sense of stability and a continuation.
0: So it's interesting, though, um, Keith, and you and I were talking off air about this, but the royal family in Britain was on the nose for quite a period of time some decades ago, and they mm. did reinvent themselves and have continued to reinvent themselves and and acknowledge, and I think it was Queen Elizabeth who acknowledged the importance of changing with the times because otherwise they were going to go under. If they stuck with some of their traditions... That was, it Was just wasn't in step with society.
1: Absolutely. In fact, if you go back to the time of Queen Victoria, so we're back in the 1830s, the Times of London um, actually talked about the death of the then monarch saying, well, that's good, glad that he's gone. And so Queen Victoria then had to reinvent the prestige of the royal family. And she went on to, and did a brilliant job from the 1830s through until the beginning of the 20th century. So very long running Uh, monarch, and did an excellent job uh, in rebuilding the prestige of the royal family. And of course, quite often royal families give their names to a particular era. So we talk about the Victorian era. Then you have the Edwardian era. So this is her son, King Edward, who um, was a great ladies' man uh, on ascending the throne. The first thing he said is that, uh, gentlemen, you may now smoke There was no smoking allowed in Queen Victoria's uh, surroundings. So he then um, encouraged uh, uh, this sort of celebration of wealth and eating. He's very fond of his food. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, for World War I, we get King George V, um, who, a very doer person, a very ordered, very controlled sort of person, almost reacting against his father in the same way that his father reacted against his mother, Queen Victoria, and then with the death of uh, King George V in 1936, uh, we had uh, three kings in one year. So we start off with King George V and, of course, that is uh, very well brought out in the movie The King's Speech, which I heartily recommend, oh, one of my a... favourite movies. Oh, fabulous movie. Um, and then he was replaced by his son, Edward VIII. Uh, I should point out that you become king or queen immediately that your predecessor dies. So Queen Elizabeth became queen sitting in a tree in Kenya. So she'd gone up as a princess. Her father died in London, and by the time she came down, she came down as queen. But then you have a gap of about 18 months for a coronation ceremony. Uh, but strictly this guy, uh, Edward, became king immediately that his father died. Um, and this is he's the playboy
0: the one... one, right? Sorry? This is the playboy one. The playboy
1: one. one who would have been a disaster. My folks um, work on the Royal Estate at Windsor, and I always give this warning to my American students, particularly if they're going to earn big salaries and employ household staff. Mrs. Simpson, the girlfriend of the the king, who was American who's an American, married before, very unsavory divorced sort of person. That's
0: why they didn't want him to remarry to exactly marry her.
1: she had a very colorful background. The intelligence file on her has still not been made available to the public.
0: She also a Nazi, wasn't she? Sure she had relationships. She had very
1: friends. <laughs> with you. She she was, had intimate friends all over the place. Um, so she treated her staff badly. The domestic staff talked to the staff at Windsor, and then they or one of them t- talked to their grand nephew, that's me, who in turn talks to my American students. So I say be very careful about how you treat. Uh, your staff, because they will talk about you. So I'm still talking about the um, appalling behaviour of Mrs Simpson, <laughs> which is also, by the way, picked up very briefly in that movie, The King's Speech. Mm. Uh, she, she was not a particularly pleasant person. So he... so. And by
0: the way, The Crown, that the series on Netflix, The Crown oh, has right. been viewed like billions of times, it's yeah. hugely successful. That delves into it as well.
1: Right. So... He then abdicates in December of that same year, 1936, gets replaced by uh, his brother, who never expected to be king, and that's what the king's speech is all about. This is the person who never expected to get that job. And then he begins the rebuilding of the prestige of the royal family and made it a very middle-class institution. So the focus is upon work. So he had a playboy brother. He had a playboy grandfather, but King George the sixth, the late king, decided he was going to make it a middle-class institution. And so the emphasis upon work, and look at the Queen to this day, into her 90s, still working hard. So it's really very interesting that that work, diligence, um, not being a playboy is a very key factor now for rebuilding the prestige of the royal family. And then when the Queen inherited the post early on really in the 1950s um, because the stress of being king, particularly going through World War II, had really prematurely killed the king. Uh, so she becomes queen and continues this middle-class nature of the royal family. She lives in grand palaces but is still a very middle-class institution with the emphasis upon work. So if you were to get chatting to the queen and ask her what is the purpose of life, she would say it is to do one's duty.
0: Yeah, a bit one dimensional, by the way. But there was a period where, because they're quite conservative, though they were very conservative. I mean, you could probably still say the same thing about them, but they were too conservative for their time, Keith. And there was a period where Elizabeth just went, oh dear, we have to well, We this have was to revolutionise the death of Princess
1: Diana, which is brought, again brought out very well in a movie. Um, because the Queen was carrying on as you do throughout all crises you keep calm and carry on. They had misjudged the mood of the general public. The British had changed. The tough people who won World War II have gone, or largely gone. Some of them, like my father, still around in his 90s. But now we've got a new generation who are a lot softer and they like the display of emotion. So the Queen is a product of that old school that you never display emotion, you just keep your head down, you keep working hard. Um, Whereas what the uh, general public by the 1990s wanted, was a display of emotion by the royal family. And so the Queen, for a while, had misjudged. She was still back on autopilot from World War II, where you just got through World War II. You didn't grumble, you just got on and did it. Whereas now, people expected these displays of emotion and all the rest of it. And so for a brief while, it was Tony Blair who saved the monarchy because he simply said to the royal family, look, you've just got to show some degree of compassion, et cetera, towards this uh, wayward daughter of yours, daughter-in-law. and so he was able then for, for that brief time when there was a lot of animosity towards the royal family uh, for being out of touch with the new British mood. But I think the Queen is now back in touch with the British mood and that's reflected in some of her public statements. So she's done a good job rebuilding the prestige.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter, talking today about how, well, royals around the world, how they've stood the test of time and how, in fact, they seem to be in an era where politics is changing very rapidly and moving quite to the right wing, let's say, globally, that, that that the monarchs still seem to be very popular and this sort of sense of consistency is there um, in societies around the world. The British monarch, we've just been talking about at length, have really stood the test of time and more popular than ever thanks to Kate coming along and then Megan coming along. Um, Keith, what are some other examples around the world of really strong, aside from the Thais, because the Thais are another great example.
1: Yeah, the Thais and also Japan. So they've both done very well. And I think that the magic ingredient in all of this is this element of continuity. We're living in a period of rapid change. You know, people are being bamboozled by all the changes in information technology, economic restructuring. So many of the things that they've taken for granted now seem to be under fire, under threat. And so the Uh, Royal families, if they do their job well, provide continuity. They're still going to be somewhat flexible, but there is also continuity there. Um, And that's a sense of reassurance to people. That's one constant in their lives when you have so much change going on around you. So that's an important role of the royal family. And it's particularly when it's interesting, the case of the United States where when you look at the creation of their dynasties, they don't seem to last very long. So there are two ways of creating a dynasty in the United States. Obviously, they don't have a royal family, but they do have dynasties. So one of them are financial dynasties. You know, you get the really big families. And yet what is interesting is that usually by the third or fourth generation, much of that money has gone. It's been squandered. So you get parents, grandparents, et cetera, working very hard, The grandchildren, great-grandchildren come along and they just want to spend it. They're not going to be working hard. So they squander a lot of the world. So the business dynasties don't seem to last very long in the United States. And by the same token, if you look at the political dynasties in the United States, the Roosevelt's, for example, produced two presidents, but haven't produced anyone particularly worthwhile of late. Similarly, uh, if you look at the Kennedy dynasty, you had obviously Ambassador Kennedy who wanted to groom his sons to become president. The first one died on a very important mission in World War II, so he wasn't around to run for president. His next one was John Kennedy, uh, who, of course, did become president. Then you had Robert Kennedy, who was um, assassinated, and then Edward Kennedy, who destroyed himself with Wine, Women and Song. So the Kennedy family sort of fizzled out. There's still a few Kennedys around, but it no longer has that cachet that it used to enjoy. And similarly, you could say the same about the Bush family at the other end of the political spectrum. You got Prescott Bush, Grandpappy Bush, who's Senator, and then his son, George uh, Bush becomes Bush senior in the White House. Later on, you get George W. Bush, the son or grandson really, of the of Grandpappy uh, Prescott. And yet that seems now to have come to an end. And you His got Jeb bro- Bush still kicking Jeb around. Jeb it. Bush, but he got knocked out of the Republican race two years ago quite early on by Trump. Trump slaughtered them all, including <laughs> Jeb Bush, who was a favourite of the Republican establishment. But the Republican establishment has been dissolved by the Trump steamroller. And so there's no obvious Bush or shrub perhaps coming along to maintain that dynasty. So it is interesting that in the United States they cannot create dynasties in the way the British or the Japanese or the Thais have been able to do.
0: It's funny. I'm sure Trump sees himself as the beginning of a dynasty, perhaps,
1: Keith. He sees himself, obviously, as a king, that's for sure. And his behaviour is positively medieval, the way that he seems to assume that the United States should revolve around him, which is a traditional European monarch approach to life. Um, if you don't have me, it'll be the deluge. Après moi, la deluge. But that has now changed. You know, the Queen sees herself as a servant of the people. The problem for her great-uncle was, was that of um, her uncle, King um, Edward the the, eighth, the Duke of Windsor, who married Mrs Simpson, is that he had that medieval attitude, that what, he thought that whatever he did was important. No, he was an empty vessel. For a while, he occupied the role of king. Once he left that position in 1936, he was really no longer significant at all, and that is really how monarchy should operate, whereas Trump, of course, gets this impression that somehow whatever he says and does should make him the centre of attention, and so he's behaving like a medieval monarch rather than as a modern president. Uh, so I think mixing with the Queen will give him bad ideas.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the British royal family, just very quickly, Keith, how much of the um, resurgence in popularity is due to Kate and Megan?
1: Oh, I think the next generation is very important. I think that poor old Prince Charles, although, you know, he's very good on climate change, he's very good on the environment, uh, but somehow his love life has really damaged his relationship with the British public because there was clearly a lot of sympathy for Princess Diana, but there isn't much for his uh, new wife, um, his second wife. Uh, But I think that the children coming along are certainly working on that. You know, they've been well-groomed and all this. They get a separate education from the general public, uh, so they're educated for the role which they're acquiring. Princess Diana's problem is that she really never understood how the game was played. Uh, Whereas I think that the um, others, the next generation coming through, are well aware that it's up to them to maintain the prestige of the royal family, and on current accounts, they're doing very well indeed. So the the future for monarchs around the world? Seemed somehow or other in this modern era, somehow assured, at least if you look at Britain, Thailand, Japan, there's no real movement to get rid of those. And even in Australia, where we've got a republican movement, a lot of people disagree over whether or not to have the Queen or King as the head of Australian state, but you know, it's not a really big issue. You're not going to fight an election on that issue. Uh, people much rather argue about taxation reform or housing, you know, things that are closer to home, not on whether or not we're going to become a republic. And the same thing in New Zealand, where Māori have their own kings and queens. They are definitely not republicans over there. Um, and even the Canadians um, still seem to have a, uh, an interest in the royal family. So, yes, I think that the British royal family will continue to be around for quite a while.
0: This has been Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Liv Proud. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastone.com.au or download the Podcast One app.